And uh, I want us to make one declaration together. We did this together at the beginning of the year, and I felt like it was time to go back to it. And uh, back at the end of last year, we did a, a process called Transform Your Organization, where we identified lies that would affect us and draw life from us, and we broke our agreement with those, and we received truth from God to replace those lies, which is a very good process. I recommend it to all of you. We'll teach on it some more uh, at some point in the future. But this is one of the truths that we uh, received during that time and that we affirm, because we are one family, right? And so if you could put that up for me, please, Ira. Uh, it's just past the giving slide. There we go, yes. Um, I'd like us to just read this together, okay? I'll lead us, and you can repeat it with me. And then i just say a word or two about it before I introduce Robert. Our destiny is to be a community of God's sons and daughters formed by God for us to be united and healed. Declaring God's faithfulness, we flourish and become fruitful in his family and in our land. Rooted and established in love, we fulfill our God-given destiny together. Amen. That's the purpose of family. Take a look around. There are people in this room that God has placed in your life to bring out the best in you. And you have gifts and talents and experience and anointing from God that will bring out the best in others around you. And it's as we meet together like this that God does that. So we love the sense of family that God gives us here. and We love the sense of freedom that grows as we interact with one another. So keep doing it. You know, we've seen it operating already this morning. And uh, I want to introduce to you a man who is very good at releasing freedom. In fact, his topic today, continued from July 4th, is liberty. And we want to make sure we give Robert more time than we gave him on the 4th of July, which was very powerful but was very brief. And so, Robert, come on up. And uh, I want to give thanks for you. Yeah, let's give him a round of applause. I admire this man. He's so full of life. And he loves to pour it out to others in humility, but with great power. Uh, because he knows the word. It's right down deep inside of him. And every time he opens his mouth, God's words come out of Robert's mouth. So I want to ask you to open your hearts to this lovely man. And Robert, I know you're going to release God's life to us. So we bless all that's inside of you to come out and touch all of our lives and transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was looking around behind me to see who he's talking about for a minute. You know? <laughs> I'm like, where is, where is that guy? But you know, the Lord always makes faith proclamations. Praise God. <laughs> so I'll grow up into that, hopefully. You guys doing okay? Are you hanging in there? Can I get a yeah? Woo! Amen. Well, we're in no hurry, praise the Lord. Right. You know, actually, I was sitting there thinking about that. I thought, you know, God's never in a hurry. But then I thought about an instant where he was in a hurry. You know, I mean, in a general way, yeah, we would say, well, you know, the Lord's in no hurry. And, you know, that's true because he's outside of time, you know. But, 
there really was a time I can think of that he was in a hurry. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this. I don't know if you ever really spent much time thinking about that. I hadn't up till now, but uh, anyway. <laughs> but you know what? How about when the prodigal son came back home, the Bible says the father ran towards the son. I think, I think that's probably one of the most beautiful places in all the Bible. It just so, you know, to me, it so aptly portrays the heart of the father. He was out looking. You know, it's almost like every day he was out there looking for the return of his son. He had faith in his son when his son seemingly was faithless. Amen. You say, well, is that your subject? Not really, but I'm just <laughs> throwing it out there. Actually, I do think I have a good subject for today. And uh, it's kind of a subject that's near and dear to my heart. And it's one of those things that I certainly haven't arrived at. You know, it's one of those things, an aspect of the Christian life that hopefully I'm growing into. You know, but there is always a growth in the spirit. You know, and you become bigger and bigger on the inside. Now, since I, I married Jamie, I've become a little bit, I've always been kind of thin, but I've become a little bigger on the outside. You know, she's a good cook and everything. And uh, I've never really been a big brownie kind of a guy or something like that, but she made brownies the other day, man. I was having them like, you know, every evening. You know, I'm like, where are those brownies at, you know? <laughs> well, it was brownies, chocolate cake, you know. Hey, it's all the same thing. Chocolate, right? Anyway, so the, uh, the title of my little message today is Sea of Victory. It's really incredibly, incredibly important. And um, I, I think this has been a little bit of a theme with me. I, I taught uh, drug and alcohol rehab classes for probably 10 plus years down at the mission. And, and uh, you know, that was one of the aspects I love to hit on is that if you cannot see yourself getting beyond your addiction, you'll always be in bondage to that addiction. And I know, and I, you know, I was never like preached against AA because a lot of those guys went to AA and I thought that, you know, AA was doing a lot of good things, but I was probably like a lot of Christians. I really struggled with the, the whole aspect of once an alcohol, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And I understood the, the reasoning for it because denial, if you deny the problem, you'll never do anything about the problem. And I, I know having, you know, been around that environment and hearing all this different stuff that that was probably the reason for step number one. But at the same point, if I don't proclaim where I desire to go, how will I ever get there? If I can't see myself being beyond a drug addict or an alcoholic, how will I ever get there? I, I don't deny maybe that I have, you know, problems if I'm an alcoholic with drugs and alcohol. It's true. It's real. But... By faith, I believe for something greater. I'm always going to something in my Christian life. I'm actually growing into what God already has for me. It's really kind of an interesting aspect of the Christian life in that God always declares the end from the beginning. You know, he calls the individual a new creature in Christ Jesus, and the individual just made Jesus the Lord of their life. He calls them his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that he should walk in. But the guy just got saved. He calls him, you know, his son, his, son, his daughter, all these sort of things, all things we know more than a conqueror. But the guy just got saved five minutes ago. He was a bank robber before that. He was a murderer. 
I've talked to literal murderers plenty of times in the jail. I mean, I've talked to people that have cut other people up. Not too much fun, right? And yet, you know, this guy's a new person in Christ Jesus. Well, what if he goes off and says a cuss word? Still a new person. What if he goes off and cuts somebody up? Well, then I have questions if he ever really accepted the Lord, you know. But my point to it is this, is that God sees the end from the beginning. And as we all know, he calls those things which be not as though we were, as though they were. And so as believers, we see always beyond where we're at. And I tell you today that I can see us beyond these four walls, praise God. And thank God for this building. It's been a blessing, and it's been, it's been a help. You know, I, we've been with the church. Well, really, we came to the very first service ahead, and then we came permanently a few months after that. But, uh, you know, I mean, originally we met in somebody's home, and then it met in a restaurant, as several of us know, for a number of years. You know, and thank God for this building. But I, I see the walls of this building going down, praise God. Yeah. Because I say today that my God is the Almighty God. I say today that my God can do the impossible. So what I would like to encourage us today is to build an image on the inside of us as to what God has to say concerning us. The Bible says, as we all know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it's interesting because you can have faith in your heart and yet have a lot of doubt and unbelief in your head and in your thinking. And if you're not careful, the doubt and unbelief in your thinking will keep the faith that's deep down in your heart from working. And the challenge for the believer is to always live their lives from the inside out. Praise God. There was a song years ago I used to like. It says, something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. You remember that song, Chuck? That was an old Keith Moore song, I think. Something on the inside, working on the outside. What was another one? I got the victory living inside of me. I got the Holy One. I have overcome, praise God. Amen. So anyway, I got a few verses we can look at. You know, the enemy always works by lies. And I thought about while Mark was speaking, you know, John 8, 31 and 32, where Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So I, I got a quick question for us. If it's the truth that, that makes us free, then what makes us bound? Obviously the lies, you know, and that was, it may sound like a small thing, but that was a huge revelation to me years ago. Because if God works by the truth, the enemy works by a lie. Now, a lie is nothing more than a twisted or perverted truth. The truth will always overcome the lie because the truth was the original. The lie is nothing more than a counterfeit of the truth. Whatever God says, it is. The enemy, Satan, can't create anything on his own. All he can do is take truth and twist it and pervert it into a lie. I used to tell the guys in the jail this. I really wasn't trying to be funny, but I mean, I, you know, it does kind of prove a point. Have you ever met anybody, you know, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but have you ever met anybody that was just flat out perverted? I mean, just per perverted. I mean, whether sexually, whether it was, I mean, I've worked with people that could not tell the truth for save their life. I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, if you asked them what the weather was yesterday, 
whatever they told you, you figured it was the opposite of whatever they told you. I mean, these guys absolutely could not tell the truth, save their life, you know. Somehow they had become twisted and perverted in their thinking, and they may have even gone to say a truth, but it just came out like a lie. So if a lie bounds, and a lie is nothing more than twisted and perverted truth, then obviously the truth will make us or set us free. And you know, the enemy starts so young in life, you know, so young in our lives, you know, and I, for years, man, I was just bound. I still am in some aspects. I mean, I'm not, you know, 100% free in any area. But, you know, I mean, he just was always banging on the door of my mind, telling me lies. He'll look for a vulnerable, a weak spot in your life, an area where you are susceptible. The name devil is from the Greek word diablos. And diablos is a Greek compound word. It's the word dia, and it's the word balos. The word dia means to go through something, like you went through a door or something like that. The word balos in the Greek means to throw. And the literal meaning of the name devil that's translated from diabolos is to throw through. And what the enemy will do is he'll constantly hit on the door of your mind with the idea of breaking through. It actually carries the idea of breaking through or, or penetrating something. It'll hit you again and again and again with a thought and a suggestion, you can't do this right, you can't do that right, you're going to mess up, you're going to fail. Has anybody ever been there? I mean, I know in church we always like to act like we got it together, you know. I mean, my thing growing up was I was always so cool, you know, trying to act cool, trying, but I was hiding so many insecurities, so many inadequacies, you know. I was pretty good at it, you know, having the, you know, kind of cool moves and this sort of stuff. I mean, that's how I won, uh, that's how I, uh, that's how I won Jamie, you know. I mean, you know, <laughs> put on some slick moves, you know. <laughs> Come on. You know, we got some real spiritual moves in church. Can I get a yeah? Ooh, Amen. I mean, everybody likes to look good in front of the pastor. Praise God. <laughs> I got to add one more hallelujah. I got to add one more amen. Hey, I found out in my many years of living that, you know, people are people, you know, and nobody's quite arrived. But, uh, you know, the enemy, he just pounds on your head. I just thank God I got saved because when I got saved, I, I learned who I really was in Christ. You know, I learned the reason for my life. I, I, and it gave me something that had worth and value to my life. You know, it's going to sound kind of funny, but I'll explain it. We, we used to play basketball all the time growing up as kids. I mean, it was kind of like, if you didn't play basketball, you know, in the neighborhood I grew up in, you might get beat up, you know. I mean, it's kind of like every day, what are you doing playing basketball, playing basketball. And when I was young, younger, I was pretty good. Somebody say pretty good. Woo, amen. But... Uh, Anyway, I got older, you know, and these other kids are growing up to here and stuff. And, and I like, I lost all my confidence at basketball. And every time I'd go up to make a shot, I'd hear, you know, how I'm going to miss it, mess it up. And what an idiot I was playing inside my mind. And all of that, as odd as it might sound, kind of, it kind of came out into my whole life. In other words, if I missed a basketball shot, I couldn't do nothing right. And I was constantly, constantly comparing myself to somebody else, you know, and always coming up on the short end, you know, couldn't do this, couldn't do that, 
couldn't do this. I always needed attention. You guys can probably tell that, man. I always needed attention, so I couldn't get it doing the right way, so I'd try and get it doing the wrong way. Can I get an amen? Woo! I mean, I mean, when the call come down to the, the classroom and the, you know, the vice principal was on the other end of the call and he'd say, send Robert to my office, you know, man, I proudly marched up front and right out the door. Because <laughs> I love that attention, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if I could, you know, just somehow get somebody's attention, irritate them enough, whatever, show off in front of the guys. Don't look at me like that. You guys hadn't been in church all your life now. <laughs> anyway, so praise the Lord. But God works by the truth. And that truth will make you free. It will set you free. So we'll look at that one scripture we started to look at the other week. And uh, it's a huge one. It's in uh, Joshua, I think, chapter 1. I'll read it to you. I got it, got it right on my little tablet here. And uh, so see a victory. You know, there's an interesting aspect to the Christian life that you can see things and know things on the inside that you certainly can't see and know on the outside. And I want to add something to that because don't ever judge another believer. And, you know, I've been in this for years. I mean, I got saved uh, you know, <laughs> over 40 years ago. And I've seen too many people operating in so-called personal revelation saying things about other people's lives that were absolutely not true. Amen. I'm feeling good to have said that. You know, I'm just, I, I got to admit, I'm just tired of this stuff, man. Well, I just got a feeling about this individual. I just got a revelation about this person. You know the verses we were reading earlier? You know what it says? For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of the man which is in him? I've been misjudged in life. I probably, you know, I, I maybe I've been given, you know, reason to do that. But, you know, when it came right down to it, what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of the man which is in him? Amen. And I'm going to tell you, I got something on the inside, praise God, that God's working out on the outside. And my Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. So you first get it on the inside. And then it grows and it expands. And I was thinking about, you know, the parables that Jesus told about how a man plants a seed. And it's the smallest of seeds, the mustard seed, like we all know. And it grows and it grows so big that birds are able to nest in its shade. It's interesting because when you're really just going with God, people will get caught up in your draft. I'm telling you today that Mark and Jane have a draft, and they're pulling other people along with them. I love, you know, the Bethel Church like a lot of us do, and Bill Johnson. I mean, guys like this are just absolutely amazing. I mean, they're pulling a whole movement along behind them, praise the Lord. Why? Because the tree of God in their life, the maturity of God is so big, praise God, that what God's doing in their own life isn't just touching them, but it's touching thousands, and for some, it's touching millions. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How will you taste and see it? In other people's lives. Praise the Lord. Amen. I just hopefully, I can just leave people with a blessing instead of being a problem like I was so much earlier in life. You know what I'm saying? I want people to taste of the goodness of the Lord in my life. Anyway, so this little verse here, it... Uh, you guys know the story. So Joshua was going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. 
We remember that. You know how I remember the Moses, like watching um, the Exodus was Charleston Heston. You guys are, a lot of you young, you would, it was, it was just, I mean, they would always play that movie years ago, you know, at, uh, at Easter time. And, uh, you know, that was always stuck in my mind. But uh, anyway, so the uh, younger generation had died out, those who were unbelieving. Uh, obviously, Caleb and Joshua was left. God chose Joshua to lead his people into the promised land. And it's interesting some of the instructions that he gave him. So I'll read here, Joshua 1.7, it says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. He goes on. He said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. He said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, I suppose most people in life, you know, Christian, non-Christian, we desire to be, you know, to prosper, have good success. You know, it's almost as if to me these verses give a recipe to that. I like Psalms 1. It says, talking about the, the man of God, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And it says, in his law he meditates day and night. It says, he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, but whatsoever he does shall prosper. There's a direct link in the Bible between meditating in your life upon what the Lord has to say and walking and living it out. So Joshua was to, to lead about, I, I looked it up kind of last night, uh, approximately somewhere in the neighborhood of two and a half million people into the so-called promised land. And as most of us remember the story, there were giants in the land. And, you know, what Bible historians tell us, they really were giants. You know, I mean, they were on the order of Goliath. I mean, these guys were huge. Have you ever faced problems in life that look bigger than you? Can I get an amen? amen. I mean, that was always one of my things, man. I just... You know, I had so much low self-esteem that, that, you know, and, and putting myself down that everybody I looked at to me seemed bigger than me. I remember when I first went to a charismatic church. It was in 1982, I think. 82. And that's when I first began going to churches like this, Word of Faith, charismatic, Pentecostal kind of churches. I'm telling you, when I went, first went to this church in Myrtle Beach, and it was the biggest charismatic church, because there weren't that many of them around in that day and time, when I walked in there, I thought everybody had arrived, man. I mean, like spiritually. I mean, I thought these guys were like, you know, like giants in the faith, and I'm sure some of them were, but, you know, at the same point, I was so well acquainted with my own inadequacies. I was so well acquainted with my own failings and my own fears. And I would constantly, constantly comparing myself to other individuals and then usually putting myself down because seemingly in my own eyes, I didn't make the grade, praise God. 
And I just looked at these guys and I be, you know, kind of at their spiritual veneer. And I thought, these guys have arrived, you know. And can I ever get there? <laughs> it's kind of funny. And then when you grow a little bit in the Lord, you just realize that we're all not there. <laughs> we all got a long way to go, praise the Lord. So I think the challenge in living for the Lord is to live our lives from the inside out. And in my mind, what God was basically telling Joshua to do, because Joshua was getting ready to step into the shoes of Moses and lead two and a half million people to the promised land. And to do that, they were going to have to take the land and they were going to have to defeat the giants, praise God. And I say today that you and I both are giant slayers. Hallelujah. I say today that the problems and the circumstances of our lives shall not prevail. Hallelujah. I proclaim today that the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be shown in our lives. And I challenge all of us in this place to grow up into who we already are. More than a conqueror. Able to do all things through him who strengthens me. My verse, I've said it to myself for years and years and years. <laughs> Particularly when I just felt anxious and I felt intimidated by the circumstances. I say to myself, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I could tell it to you in Russian, but don't worry about it. I won't bother. <laughs> so God told Joshua some key things in this verse. He said, this book of the law... Book of the Law obviously is the Bible. He said, this book of the law or the Bible shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, that you're to keep it on your lips. Now, there's an interesting kind of throw off on that from James 1 when it talks about a man's speech being like the bit in the mouth of a horse. Now, believe me, I'm not any great equestrian kind of a person, but I know enough to know that the bit in the mouth of the horse helps to determine the direction that horse goes in, depending upon who's riding, right? In other words, if the horse is rain trained, then if he pulls it to the left, that's the direction, or, or right, whichever one it might be. But the bit is designed, and the bit is so small, you know, in comparison to the rest of the size of the horse, you know. But the, the point I get out of that is, if my life is rain trained, if the bit of God's word is put upon my lips, hallelujah. If I'm daily proclaiming in my life what the Lord has to say, not according to my feelings, not according to whether I'm up or down, I'm just doing my best to say what God has to say, praise God, amen. Then guess what? He's the one in charge of my life. And I tell you today, I need all that he is. I need his help. I need his hope. I need his strength. I'll admit it to you guys today, I need, I need, I need the bigness of the Lord. Can I get a yeah? Can I get an all right? Can I get a whoop amen? Woo! <laughs> hey, don't get nervous. I've not going to go on a real long time. You're like, man, you know, you've got a good guy. Get out of here soon now. Come on now. <laughs> it's all good. You know, we all hear these stories about these churches overseas that go on five hours, this kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't think we Americans could hack it. Amen. That would cut directly into my Sunday afternoon nap time. Wow. <laughs> we, we all know what happens to me when I don't get my nap. I get cranky. Amen. It's rough on the wife, rough on the dog. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. 
where's Sherry at? We could laugh some, praise God. Ay, ay, ay. Nobody could get me going like Sherry. So what was that verse we were on? Now think about it now. Now think about it now. This guy Joshua is going to lead two and a half million people in, into the promised land. These are the same guys, remember, that walked around the walls of Jericho. You know, we all know these stories, right? So what did God tell him to do? You know, he told him, this book of the law, the Bible shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written here. And I've always found that phrase, observe to do, kind of an interesting phrase, and I, I don't have all the you know, the details on, I haven't really studied out in Hebrew, but I just took it for face value that observe to do meant simply mean see to do. If you observe it, you're obviously looking at something, doing speaks of doing something, action, you know, see to do. I'm telling you, you can't really live out the victory until you have the victory on the inside. Praise the Lord. Amen. Smith Wigglesworth, the great man of God that a lot of us are probably familiar with, he said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. What was that song I just said a few minutes ago? Something on the inside? Yeah, work, like Keith Moore, that's right. I bet you don't even know who Keith Moore is, do you? <laughs> Something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Doesn't that remind you of Galatians chapter 5? But the flesh lusteth against the spirit, against the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Praise God. God desires that the man on the inside have the ascendancy in our life. Praise the Lord. We live, you know, in a country, great country, but a country that um, prioritizes uh, mental strengths and, you know, looks at physical strengths. But we in the church value spiritual strength. And I'm telling you, when all hell is against you, the only thing that may well be able to stand in your life is the man on the inside. And we know the Bible says, though the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And God knew that if Joshua would take his word and chew upon that word and think about that word, and go over it again and again and again. And I'm reminded that the Bible says that God's word is inspired. And that word inspired, in this case, I think it's 2 Timothy, means divinely breathed in. And Jesus said, the words that I speak, they're spirit and they're life. And there's spiritual life in the word of God. Praise God. Before I got saved, man, I did about everything wrong you could think of. <laughs> you know, we just... I was like the kids of that day and time. We did a lot of drugs and stuff. Now you kind of know why I am the way I am, you know. And, uh, I mean, man, we, we, we I, I, I'm sorry. I know I'm in church. We, we, I mean, we, we was token on the wrong thing. Amen. Someone say the wrong thing. Hey, man. I mean, I mean, I, I, all I had in my brain was a bunch of green smoke. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, uh, you know, that's why I needed to renew my mind, right? I fed on the wrong thing, and not only, uh, not only those things, but just on criticism, on doubt, fear, unbelief, all these kind of things. And I think in these verses, the Lord is inviting us to feed on something that's good for us, praise God, that will make us strong. Hallelujah. 
He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate. The word meditate is from the Hebrew word agah. I think I said that the other week. And agah, uh, among the, the you know, many meanings that it has, along with ponder and think on, has the idea of muttering. Have you ever met anybody that seemed to mutter a lot? Have you ever had any teenage kids in your house? I mean, you tell them what to do, and they're like, they walk away from you, and they're kind of muttering as they go down the hall. <laughs> Probably not muttering about what a wonderful parent you are, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, to mutter obviously means just to say it over and over and over again. I got to quit. I'm going to quit. Just, just relax. Uh, what does a cow do with his cud? He chews it. My understanding, he chews it over and over again. Actually, we had a debate about this one time at the mission about how many stomachs that a cow has. I don't know if anybody's an expert on this kind of stuff in here. I know, and I've heard seven. I heard seven. Is it four? That's and somebody looked it up. It did seem like they came up with four. It was kind of the dictionary. Um, I don't know if different kinds of cows have different numbers of stomachs. I have. I, I'm really not. Uh, don't know about that. But, you know, obviously it chews this cut, and what's it doing? It's refining it. It's getting some four. Good man. I'll tell you what. You guys learn a lot in Philadelphia area, I'll tell you what. <laughs> tell me you lived on a farm in Philadelphia somewhere. <laughs> Talk about a place to survive, praise God. <laughs> you can survive in Philadelphia. You can survive anywhere, hallelujah. <laughs> So what's the cow doing? It's chewing its cud. It's going over it again and again. It's breaking it down. It's getting all the nutritional value that's in it out of it. And I think that's one of the things that I want to challenge us in today with the word is just to go over the message again and again. I could say I know that scripture greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But it seemingly think, seems like every time I say it, something new comes out of it. Something more is, I hear something in it I didn't see before, I didn't know before, praise God, amen. I guess my challenge for all of us today is to, this is going to sound weird, but to become bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. Yes. Right. Amen. You guys are looking good, you're looking big. You're looking well fed, praise God. Some of us, every time I see us in here, we're getting bigger all the time. I'm talking about on the inside, spiritually, right? <laughs> Amen. What are we going to become? Heavyweights in the yes, spirit. Yes. Praise God. And when you are when when you are heavyweight in the spirit, hallelujah, devil, watch out. Because man, when you give, I say when you give that Holy Ghost punch, that was like the stuff in the jail. You know, when you give that Holy Ghost punch, praise God, you're going to knock demons out. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, I tell you today, God desires that each one of us in this room grow up into who we already are and simply walk out the plan and the destiny of the Lord. Hallelujah. You guys wouldn't mind stand up. We'll just close out with a prayer. And appreciate everybody sticking around. We didn't have a mass exodus, you know. You guys are the, are the faithful. And uh, Father, we just love you this morning, Lord. Father, help us to grow in the aspect of meditating upon who we are in you. And the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and what God has done on our behalf, dear Lord, Father. And we desire in our life to become giant slayers. Hallelujah. And we declare today that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Hallelujah. And we declare today that we are seated with the Lord Jesus Christ, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that can be named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Praise God. For the victory of the Lord is ours. And we share in what God has done through Jesus. And the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Him. And we simply stand today as an occupying army in the Lord. And we say today that we'll not be stopped. It will not quit. Hallelujah. And I believe today that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will overcome everything that's thrown against us. And the Bible says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And I encourage you guys in that. I always like to close with this prayer. After we're done, uh, you guys are dismissed, but anybody that wants prayer, maybe you're just struggling with, you know, the obvious low self-esteem and feeling unwanted, feeling rejected. That was part of my problem because I felt rejected. I felt like I needed other people's affirmation. I needed to be noticed so I could feel good about myself. So I lived my life for other people instead of just being real to myself. If there's anybody like that, after we pray this, just come on up front and serve us up front. We'll just be glad to pray for you and agree with you that you'll get the victory in it. Let's say this real simple prayer. Say, Father God, I love you today. I need you today. I worship you in my life. Lord God Almighty, take my life. Use my life. Let your will be done with my life. Not my will, 